This is Father Joseph Anthony Cress. And this is Father Patrick Briscoe. Welcome to God's Planning. Thanks to all those who support us. If you enjoy the show, please consider making a monthly donation on Patreon. Be sure to like and subscribe to God's Planning wherever you listen to your podcast. Well, Father Patrick, we're back at it again. Got another round and kicking things around. So, uh, yeah, just catch me up. What's what's uh, the general things in, in your life right now? Yeah, that's great. Well, for me, I mean, it remains the same, trying to find the good in Catholic news, which is a, a difficult and exciting prospect. I mean, a lot of people, uh, one, one thing that I'm always trying to say, and I'm going to take a moment to say it now, is that everything that's going on in the church uh, doesn't impact necessarily our relationship with Christ. Yeah. Uh, and I think this is the yep. thing, right? People, people see news about the church coming up, and they get distressed, they get frustrated, um, they despair about the state of the quality of the church, mm-hmm. or the church's ministers. But the reality is that my life with Christ is a, is just that, my life with Christ. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that the church doesn't matter. <laughs> of course, the church matters a lot because Christ, uh, in his infinite wisdom, has decided to mediate all of the graces of salvation yep. through the church. So the church is very important, and people are rightly distressed when they see scandal, when they see the, the lingering mm-hmm. effects of it, when they're distressed by news about the church, about um, Catholic leaders and the way we think the church should interact <laughs> or not with Catholic leaders. Totally. You know, all, all of this is at the, is at the forefront of our mind. But, but there's, a, there's a line um, that we have to draw for our own personal sanity, for our, for our devotion. And because, frankly, a lot of those things don't really concern us. They don't belong to yeah. our station in life, yeah. and they, they, don't, they don't really impose themselves on our relationship with the Lord. Well, I think this um, is kind of leading into our topic today, and it is something that like w- you can look at a lot of the issues and global issues and get really discouraged and things, but it's, let's talk about this on a local level. Let's talk about this on how that actually affects our local engagement with the faith. And this is something that we see a lot, honestly, as Dominicans, because we get, uh, you know, we love our province, but it spans over all of New England and down south into Virginia. Shout out to VA. Uh, <laughs> but if we go out west to Ohio and Kentucky, so we see a lot of different kind of contexts for the faith in, in different kind of local circumstances. And one of the things that I think that we come across a lot of is um, engaging with people in those uh, kind of parochial boundaries from so many different contexts. And this is something that, you know, I think we've heard a lot of in all of those situations is sometimes people travel a great distance to find a parish that they feel comfortable in, a parish that they're happy with, a parish that they feel fed and nourished spiritually in. And in its kind of worst phrase or its worst setting, it's like, I hate my parish. And so I'm going somewhere else. So I guess this is what we want to talk about is like when you start to see a parish or become or, or a parishioner somewhere and it's a struggle, hmm. it's it's not as naturally, um, you know, you just don't slip into it and everything's roses. But there's there's some tension there. There's there's something left um, desiring in that way. So like, how do we deal with those kinds of um, settings where maybe we're not super satisfied with our parochial settings? Yeah, that's a. I think this this is something that comes up all the time, right? As a priest, we're yeah. always talking yeah. about this with people. <laughs> 
uh, they're, they're, they either love their parish and they're very excited to describe it to us as priests, right? They say like, <laughs> oh, you won't believe this thing that our priest did, or we just got this new priest that we love, or the bishop just moved away, this priest that we loved, and now mm-hmm. we got Father New Guy, and we're not sure what we think about him yet. Like, th- this is part of the Catholic experience. And I think, um, unfortunately, it's a more pressing question for us at this, at this present moment in the church, because of how transient our priests are. It's true. I really don't. I don't believe. I, I we probably ought to do some research on this. But 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 when you talk to in you know in my own my own experience of the church, when you talk to priests of previous generations, it doesn't f- seem to me that they were moved around as much as priests are today. Mm. I think mm-hmm. today we're much more transient. The priests get reassigned, get moved uh, with much greater frequency than in ages past, um, yep. than in, than in recent decades. And the other thing that people talk about all the time, and, and this this has been widely experienced by priests too, is that priests are made pastors when they're very young. Yeah. So you get uh, you go through seminary, you get your first assignment, which is maybe if you're really lucky, three, possibly four years, Ugh. and then if you're a diocesan priest, your next assignment is to be a pastor somewhere. So there's a lot of pressure put on parishes. Uh, and a lot of that, uh, a lot of that pressure, uh, I think, is caused by the kind of turnover of mm-hmm. priests, which is part of what we face. Uh, but, but I want to, I want to, I want to sort of start this question on the difficulty of parish life that we're asking. Um, you know, what do you do when you don't like your parish? By, by just asking, well, what is it that makes a good parish? Mm. Um, and I've got a couple keys uh, that, <laughs> that I would suggest. I think what's really important in, in a parish is is community. Um, I, you know, yeah, a yeah. lot of people, what would they say out of the gate? Liturgy. Well, because that's what you experience first. Yeah. And it's true that on Sunday when the music isn't to your taste or worse yet, when it's not well performed, mm-hmm. uh, that, that can be an assault. <laughs> it really can. It can be an assault on your senses, on your faith, on your belief, on your ability to pray. It can, it can really, really, really make the Sunday experience very difficult. So, so I have a lot of sympathy for that. But I don't think the liturgy is actually the most important point yeah. of parish life. I think the most important point of parish life is community. And I don't mean... A parish that has a bunch of stuff going on yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah yeah which is the which is the great american temptation right to say like oh my parish is great because it has ten thousand different things i can join yeah. um well you're a limited person and you're only going to join three or four things anyway mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if you're doing more than four things at your church i've got some questions i'd like to ask <laughs> you <laughs> but uh but I, I think that uh, I think that that principle of community uh, is really important to elucidate and and what i think is at the heart of it is a, a love for a particular place, mm-hmm. a love for a particular place. I saw this a little bit at St. Pius V um, in Providence. And one thing that I loved about St. Pius is that it was still very much a neighborhood parish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that that's a unique thing and something that is increasingly precious yeah. in the church in the United States today. A lot of our parishioners walked to Mass. Mm. Um, they, had, they had been there for a very long time, most of our families. Uh, yeah. And there was something about the spirit of that place um, that, that had a robust understanding of what it was and a real knowledge of itself as a Christian community. And so that's one of the things that I think makes for a good parish. Mm-hmm. And when that's lacking, that's what leads to a bad parish experience. Yeah, I, I mean, there, there are a few things. You talked about kind of the transient nature of pastors or the, the priests and that. I think we kind of also say there's a transient nature of um parishioners too. oh my gosh we're yeah. looking at a very uh much more mobile um parishioner base and so there is this kind of loss of the concept of your neighborhood parish 
and that 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 can be frustrating that can be discouraging but it's because we're looking at a, a kind of parishioner base that is much more comfortable with traveling uh, whether that's for work or traveling for leisure or whatever it may be so it doesn't surprise me and i don't think we should be like caught off guard that uh you know, a parishioner base is much more comfortable about traveling a decent distance to find a parish that is fitting for them. And so, as you mentioned, though, community it is not programs. You know, a community is based in, in relationships and it takes a certain level of commitment to then build that community. And the programs that take place in a in a parish or the programs that are offered let's say or, or the liturgy that is offered is supposed to facilitate that community is supposed to fil- facilitate um relationships with god more than anything but also relationships with each other and to have this greater sense of unity as you know the body of christ and um this kind of communal sense and so as we're like diving into that like it's i think that is a beautiful thing to see, uh, you know, parishes that still have a little bit of that kind of communal nature to it, whether that's walking to mass or the neighborhood nature to it. But it, there's also this great sense that there, it takes a level of investment by the parishioners, a level of investment by the priest, but also a level of investment by the parishioners to then create that sense of community about what what's going on there. So like, what, what will that take then? Like what, what should parishioners kind of start to lean towards to say, okay, this is, this is what I'm looking for, or this is what um, at least I need to see somewhat present. Maybe not perfected, but at least like an openness or, or elements of the parish that it's like, okay, I can lean into it that way. Yeah, that, that's such a great question. And you, you bring up a great point, which is that the priest himself is not responsible for this, <laughs> this element of community. And I think, that, I think that's, that's one of the main things that we talk about parish life in this episode. That's one of the main things that I wanted to say is that you don't have to like your priest. No. Uh, you don't have to be his friend. He's got some friends, I hope. Um, but they don't need to be all of his parishioners. All of his parishioners don't need to be friends with him um, because the relationship that the people of God have with a priest is is different than mm-hmm. the kind of friendship that is sustained in the wide categories of life. So a parish that has a strong sense of its own identity, has a strong sense of its community, can thrive yeah. um, without a priest that they love. <laughs> I, I think that I think that's a really important principle because oh, uh, as a person sitting in the pew, you might look at this guy and think he doesn't have it. What are we going to do? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and you know, you might be right. Maybe maybe your priest doesn't have particular gifts that, uh, that are inspiring. Maybe he's a terrible preacher. Maybe uh, maybe he's not organized and mm-hmm. he can't get this that this kind of machine and bearish life off the ground. Those can be real obstacles, and you're not going to be able to change them necessarily. Uh, but but that does not mean that your parish can't be a great parish, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Be, so so what is it that people can do? I think the first thing is to have uh, event, social events. Mm-hmm. You know, as you said, the, the phrase that you said, Father Joseph Anthony, that I really love was you said community is about relationship, mm-hmm. which is why in St. Pius, one of the best things that our parishioners did, I had no interest in this, I didn't encourage them in it, but it ended up being wonderful, was they put in a bocce court <laughs> and started a bocce league. And it was like the best thing that had been done in St. Pius in years. It's still going on, Summer Bocce League. Uh, it's, it's a really wonderful program because anybody can play it. You know, the yeah, threshold yeah. level is very low. It, it, it prompts natural conversation, sort of talk while you mm-hmm. do it. People bring dinners. They kind of sit around on Friday night to share drinks. Um, it's outside. There's a, a lot of things to commend it. 
And you can start an event like that without needing, you know, you don't need a master's in theology to run a, <laughs> to run a bocce league. Um, but the way that that directly impacts parish life um, is obvious because you meet, yeah. I, I oh, yeah. watch people that have been going to mass together for years that didn't know each other's names that finally met because they started <laughs> to play bocce together. Yeah, I think there's an element of that kind of, I don't, I don't know, just like commitment to say, okay, this is going to be my parish. Mm. I remember um, one of our parishioners in Charlottesville gave a talk to our graduating students about, oh, how do you transition from college life into, um, you know, the, the wide world of the, the church? One of the things that she said is, okay, like, spend some time and find the parish that that fits it has those kind of like elements of okay i think this is going to be the best fit for me in this area commit to that parish register yeah. you know like it's something we really don't talk about as parishes registration it's not just because we need numbers to figure out our like you know diocesan uh you know catholic dratacum or whatever it is but it's about knowing that now this pastor has responsibility for my sacramental education. And this pastor has that kind of responsibility for my faith in that way. And when you hopefully move, you know, we talk about with college students, like, okay, when you get engaged, okay, well, this, this pastor is the one for your sacramental prep, including your marriage. But one of the things that this parishioner advised our students to, and I just, it never occurred to me, but pick a mass time and commit to that mass time. Mm. You know, a lot of parishes do have kind of different styles of liturgies at different mass times. So you might have different types of music, some that's a little more hymnody, some that's more chant or something that's a little more praise and worshipy, but commit to it. Hmm. And then there's something really, really beautiful because then you'll get to see the same people at that mass time every year or every Sunday. You know, you'll get to notice the family. So you'll start to see them on a regular basis. So there's this kind of like, I, I think sometimes bad taste in people's mouth about church shopping and parish shopping about, oh, I'm just going to go where the mass time is the most convenient for me. I'm going to go someplace that is most convenient. And this week it's that parish. This week it's, it's another parish. And I understand that kind of level of convenience and how kind of destructive and because what's it doing is it's being destructive in relationships and community because you actually never have roots down in any place. But you got to pick a place and commit to it. But even within that context, commit to this is our standard mass time. Maybe one week you got to travel, so you're going to hit up the vigil or something like that. But have a regular expected mass time because that, you're going to have that opportunity to build relationships then with those families or those uh, retirees that are going. And you can have that sense of community even within that standard mass time and can naturally move into like, hey, let's, uh, I'm have a bonfire, I wanna join, have, invite this family over, things like that. You build familiarity with that. And that just like is so important that you have this level of commitment to this specific community, even this community within that community, but to invest in that and keep that. Like I said, there are always times where it can fluctuate through different things, but to have an expectation of that is super, I think super important. One of the themes of the um, of the synod. So the, in Rome, every three years, there's an ordinary meeting of bishops from all over the world. It's called a synod, mm -hmm. and one of the themes um, from the synod this year is is responsibility. Believe it or not, responsibility, <laughs> which is a heavy word. Um, so out of Vatican II, there 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 came a great renewal of lay involvement in the life of the church, and 
I think a lot of that was actually lost in our country because of the, the very high levels of clericalism. You're welcome. You know, the Irish <laughs> church gave you that. So no, no charge. Oh, gosh. Okay. Thanks. Bud. Thanks. <laughs> but, really appreciate it. But uh, but but I think understanding uh, grow, growing to a point where we understand a really a responsibility is very important. So these things that we've been talking about relationship, commitment. I loved your proposal. You know, go to go to the same house, sit in the same place, be with the same people, just be put down roots. I, I think that's a great way to combat the kind of transience that, that marks us today. Uh, but to understand that, that, that all of us have a responsibility for the parish. The parish is not the parish priest's responsibility yep. alone. Yeah, yeah. It, it is his responsibility in a particular way, and mm-hmm. he'll have to account to God for the things he does and doesn't do in a, in a particular way. But every member of, of the parish has something really to offer. And, and I think that's one thing that, that can't be said enough. Um, it, it's not a new idea, but people really need to be encouraged. If there's something you don't like about your church, offer to change it. Mm-hmm. If the, yeah. if the priest says no, okay, then you move on and you propose the next thing. Yeah. There, there's an aspect, too, that I'm going to propose and kind of defend slightly that I know is somewhat controversial, but I'm actually not against a little bit of church shopping. I know I, I kind of spoke a little earlier about it, like, oh, it threw it out there, but in our current society, in, in the way that the church is set up and governed, I, like I said earlier, I think people are a lot more mobile and comfortable with uh, traveling around for different things. It's not, I, I, would, I would encourage people when you move to a new city, like give yourself a dedicated time, let's say a month, two months to see what's available, to kind of see what is on offer. And because each parish has a different personality to it. And you need to find one that you connect with and you match that personality and you fit in there. So to, I think it's okay to do that, but then it takes a commitment. That, that's not just like this kind of mm. um, perpetual level of shopping of like, well, I'm just trying to find what's convenient. But like give yourself enough time to actually survey the landscape, but then lean in and make that commitment. Because this is one of those things that I mean, we even saw in earlier generations in the American church that there were different churches that served different purposes, you know, and this was mostly expressed in the national churches. You had your Irish church, your Polish church and things like that. So there was this different we had this kind of very explicit understanding that each parish had its own um, service or its own like kind of important way to serve that community. It's not as clear right now, but every parish can't do everything for everybody, Hmm. and that's fine. And so you're going to find some churches that are really strong, um, let's say, with their coffee and donut ministry or whatever. You're going to find other places of really strong religious education for their families or things like that. So to see where the the parish really has its emphasis um, and to not be afraid to say, like, oh, this is that kind of personality for this church. That's something I value. So I want to be a part of that community, help support that, receive from it, but also give to it. Um, There is a risk of the kind of church shopping mentality that is just about what can I get? It's all about receiving, receive, receive, receive. What can I get? What can I get? How can this serve me? How can this serve me? I think it has to be a both and in there and to not be afraid of that. But I'm actually going to defend a little bit. (laughs) of church shopping and it's not it's not the worst thing ever you know um but i think at a certain point you have to commit and say okay now now this is going to become my parish um i know that you feel slightly different on that but yeah what do you have 
I do. I, I think I think that the church, in her wisdom, gives us a proposal uh, in a little book that we like to call the Code of Canon Law, which <laughs> that, says, that is true. <laughs> which okay, says okay. go to your geographical mm-hmm, parish. Yeah. But the the reason so the reason I would offer and and here you know I I appreciate the the, the very gentle defense of parish shopping that you made. Um, the reason I would defend your geographical parish is because a lot of times in the spiritual life you think you need one thing, but in fact you you need another. Yeah. And so I think that. Making a decision of going to a parish church because you get warm and fuzzy feelings there, I think it's very dangerous because the spiritual life is not to be led by warm and fuzzy feelings. And I know, I know that's not what you were saying. You were proposing some substantial reasons. But... No, I just want to give. <laughs> I, I just want to give like weighted blankets, like little weighted spiritual blankets to just make everybody feel better about the spiritual life. That that's my proposal at the end of the day. You know. How many times have we looked around the room, though, in the Dominican order and thought only God would bring all, <laughs> all of this together? And I Dude, think that that's us. I think that the same thing is true in parish life. You know, you look you look around that church and you say there is nothing other than Jesus Christ and the celebration, the Sunday celebration of his resurrection, death, ascension into glory. Um, there's nothing other than that that would bring me to sit in a room with this group of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And that's the kind of thing that really shaves off. Uh, the, the the jagged edges of the heart. There, um, I think the last thing I want to say on this before we jump to our, our last topic for this episode, but um, a recent document out that came out of the Vatican, it came out July of 2020, which was in the middle of the pandemic, so nobody actually read it, nobody actually looked at it, and it was on the evangelical mission of the parish. Mm. And... The first like maybe third of it is really beautiful because it's like your 40,000 foot view of everything. And um, it gives some really interesting points. And one of the things it actually mentions is that we cannot approach the parishes as we did in the past with Mm. strict geographical boundaries because that's Mm. not the reality of our world anymore. And so we have to think differently of our parishes because it's, it's, even though the, the, that small little book canon law uh, is still in force, and I'm not saying it's not. It's still in force, but the realities have demanded something different of our parishes, and so we have to respect that and 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 uh, be aware of that. But n- notice the demands of it, and it, this calls to mind uh, a previous episode that we had, um, one of our guest episodes with Father Josh Johnson, where uh, he talked about how. It's important, though, to look out at your parish and to recognize, is this a very self-selected community? Hmm. That's the risk, right? right? That is the risk that this is a self-selected community. And then it becomes very exclusive. So are there people, let's say, in your geographic boundaries? Are there people in your immediate surroundings? That might be a better way of saying it. Are there people in your city, in your immediate surroundings that are not represented in this parish? That probably should be. And then to go out and reach out to them and invite them in too, because it's really healthy to have a, a, a clear diversity in your parish, but to know that that unity is in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Our unity is in the Eucharist, right? The source of, um, of union in the ecclesial body is in Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So to just ward off that temptation to become a very self-selected community, um, it, that's that's a risk the byproduct of um paris shopping so um yeah i think that we have to caution against that and just be aware uh, that it's we are to be evangelical we are to kind of reach out and maybe do a, a little survey of like oh there is not 
a, a you know a group within immediate arms reach that isn't really representing this parish that's probably not necessarily a good thing so we should do better at that we should really do better go back listen to that episode from josh johnson uh if you want to know more on that and hear that okay the last question i want to post to you what do you do if you don't have options Mm-hmm. This, yeah, some this of our listeners, question. some of our listeners maybe live in small towns or live in um, areas of the country or the world where the Catholic Church is not very populated, and there aren't many options for which parishes to attend. And so you maybe only have one option, and maybe it leaves a lot to, to be desired. So how do you operate? What's your advice for listeners who maybe find themselves in that situation? How do they engage with that parish or in that community to help actually be uh, spiritually fruitful? Yeah, that's right. I, it's such an important question because, again, you know, as you say, there are some places where people truly don't have other options. So, so what it, what is on offer for them? Well, I think to uh, just echo a few points that I made, I think every every parishioner has a responsibility of something that he or she can do for the life of the parish and. Mm. That not every parish activity has to be a study of the Summa Theologica, even though that would be great. Um, <laughs> not, not every activity has to be that. So there are some very important things that can be done just to build up relationships and mm-hmm. build up a sense mm-hmm. of community. Um, and that there are many people in the parish that could easily contribute to that. Um, I, I think, again, another difficult point for people is the liturgy. They, they, mm-hmm. they get stuck with a priest that they don't connect with or that um, is objectively uh, bad at preaching uh, because th- this exists, right, in many places. There are, like, objective standards for good preaching. <laughs> um, and, uh, and that's a reality of the church. Okay, so to that, um, to that, I would really encourage them, um, when you're sitting there, when you're suffering the bad homily, just reach for your rosary. Just mm-hmm. do it. Do it very subtly. Don't, you know, hold up the bulletin and page through the bulletin because when people do that to you as the priest, it's very painful. Um, even when you're preaching a good homily and they, you know, and they're, they're just not understanding it because they've got to get to the end of the bulletin. Um, so so the, when you're when you're writing it out, um, turn that into a moment of prayer. Just reach for the rosary, quietly, quietly pray, pray for the priest, mm-hmm. pray for the parish community, and then take the opportunity yourself later that week to seek out other other formation. Listen to a podcast. I know of one good one that some young Dominicans Interesting, do. Interesting, yeah. Um, the, and go, don't be afraid to go elsewhere to, mm. to nourish and develop your spiritual life. Yeah, I think there there's that understanding too that that's a true suffering, that's a true cross. And to not kind of gloss over that. Yeah, that's right. And to say like, no, this is, there should be more here. And this is all I have to offer. And when we get into those situations where maybe we don't have any other options, right, to endure with grace and with, you know, in in a crazy sense, to endure something with gratitude, Mm -hmm. um, to kind of allow yourself to do an inventory of what I am thankful for this parish, that it has a sacred space. You know, maybe it's not the most well-appointed, maybe it's a little cluttered, but there is a place that is sacred. Mm -hmm. You know, the gift of Jesus in the Eucharist so important to just always remind yourself that no matter how much I want all these other things to help dispose me greater that would be of good assistance but here is still Jesus in the Eucharist and he's making himself present even in these less than ideal circumstances and so to do a little bit of an evaluation of gratitude but you mentioned that one last thing is don't be afraid to take your own faith formation into your own hands at the end of the day you know you have to decide yourself if you're going to drink from the well 
hmm. of the church's tradition and to then share that with others. If you think you're probably hungering for more in the faith, I would expect you're probably not the only one in those pews. That's right. So you might reach out to somebody and say, hey, I would really love, like, I've heard this great book. Like, let's read that together and talk about it. Or let's start a Bible study. Um, those types of things, there's probably many people in your immediate surroundings and in your pews that are hungering for that as well. And so to kind of initiate that, to start that, then typically there's a little bit of ground sale, right? Success breeds success. Holiness is attractive. So if you start to take your own union with Christ seriously, both in the sacraments and in a communal aspect, and start to build and take small steps in that, others will see that and want to join too. They're probably hungry and waiting for somebody else to start it. And at the end of the day, most people are probably looking to the priest to start it. But to just do small steps like that, and I think many people would be surprised at how many others would join, mm -hmm. but they're just waiting for somebody, anybody to take one more step in that. So I, I really love that aspect of what you said is like, don't be afraid to take initiative in it yourself. Um, one of the things that getting back to evangelization of parishes, right? And this is a big buzzword with John Paul II and um, so much of the change or the transition into uh, the late 20th century into the early 21st century was about the new evangelization. And one of the things I find sometimes uh, a little uh, misconstrued with that is I think a lot of people think the new evangelization is everything is very active but they overlook the contemplative elements of it. Hmm. And there can be this frustration with maybe a parish that isn't thriving or it doesn't have a strong community, or maybe you just don't like your priest or whatever it is. And so they immediately want to jump and do things. I want to fix this problem and I want to, ah. But don't overlook the necessity to pause and begin first in prayer, hmm. to devote your time to um to the adoration, the rosary, and allowing the Holy Spirit to then inspire you and guide you about what you do need to do for this local community. Who else do you need to invite to run alongside you uh, to not be afraid of that? But you kind of threw it out there and said, like, grab your rosary, don't grab the bulletin and, and that. But like that, I, I, I don't want to overlook that. That is so, so crucial to begin there and allow the Holy Spirit to guide in that way. Um, yeah. Okay. Any last thoughts? On, on where we where we're sitting for this, uh, I think it's an exciting time coming out of uh, coronavirus and what the COVID period was like for parish life because there there are so many opportunities to be had mm -hmm. in places where programs had to be changed, stopped, altered, re envisioned, mm -hmm. and that now's the time to reinvest and propose new things for our churches. Thousand percent agree. Thousand percent agree. So thank you as always for listening to this episode of Godsplaining. Uh, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Like the episode, subscribe on YouTube or on your podcast app, um, and leave a five-star review. Also share this episode uh, with those that you think could benefit from it or maybe are, find themselves in the situation of the um, people that we spoke of in this episode. If you'd like to donate to the podcast through Patreon, follow the link in the description or in the show notes. 
There you'll also find uh, links to, uh, to shop our merchandise and get information on upcoming God's planning events. Thank you for everything and just know that you're in our prayers. God bless.